Hello everyone, welcome to session three of the Bebop Rewatch. Uh, my name's Jason and I'm from Wulong Talks, as you know. And we've been joined tonight by my homie Rich Kid, aka the Rustling Kid, aka Rich Reviews. Rich, say what's up, man. What's up, man? Yeah, good to have you back, bro. And good to have you back, listeners, as well. Um, so we're going to dive straight into session three because this session is, I know I keep saying this, but this session is excellent, man. It really is. Um, <laughs> I mean, for the three episodes that we've seen so far, um, I think this one might possibly be stealing it, but then I don't know. Um, what did you think of this this session and, and the first episode, Rich? Like, how, how does it stack up to the other two that we've had so far? Um, you know what? It's weird because I was actually thinking about this. I, you know, like if you listeners don't even know like how we how we've been dealing with this to, to be what we watch, we basically just watch it and then just wax lyrical. We might have like a little bit of a chin rag just to get things moving. But as I was watching this, it's weird because even just thinking of it, even just thinking this sounds blasphemous to me but it's not my favorite episode and that's not saying that it's not a good episode mm -hmm. like a bad episode of bebop is better than a majority of the best episodes of some shows for me mm. but out of the three so far this is the weakest episode but i love it still mm. um so i so i'm gonna have to disagree with you not disagree with you in that one but like meet you on the other side of the fence in that one <laughs> um fair enough but then um but then, but then once again it's like you know you know like we keep on saying like the, the story the you know the 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 characters in it like everything the music everything is just perfect i can't fault it but it's just not my favorite compared to the other two okay fair enough fair enough well we can get into why it isn't um and, and all of that in a bit so we'll definitely yeah. do all of that but um this is for those of you who are just finding us for the first time um as i said we were gonna dive straight into session three um which is the third episode in the series cowboy bebop the anime series um for those of you that don't know and as I said are just joining us we have done um two kind of walkthroughs of, of the first two episodes you can find that on our channel um wherever you're listening to this if you just head to our channel page you'll see the bebop rewatch sessions one and two available there um you'll be able to have a listen to those to to get a flavor of what we're going to do um but yeah man let's as I said let's just dive straight into it really um so this episode is um one that originally aired uh, way back in November of 19, uh, 1998 on Japanese TV. Um, and again, like as it this series does so well, it doesn't really bother too much with kind of exposition and trying to set things up. It just drops you straight to the story. Um, if you've been listening to the previous podcasts that we've done, um, you'll know that Rich has commented on, on how, um, you know, that's part of what this show is about. It's kind of about giving you snapshots of somebody's life at a certain point so it's not too preoccupied with kind of telling you um who this person is why they're here and, and so on and so forth um it just gets down to the nitty-gritty and we get that straight away from this episode um we have uh it looks like we've returned to tijuana which i think we visited in in the first episode um in session one um, and we're back on Tijuana, that's the planet Tijuana, not the place Tijuana in Mexico. Um, and we see somebody enter um, what looks like a Chinese tea house. I'm assuming it's a Chinese tea house because on um, in Tijuana, as we discussed in the previous episode, when you first arrive there, there's a very heavy kind of Chinese influence um, in the locations that are used in, in the anime. Um, and it looks like it's the same tea shop, possibly from the second episode. I don't know if I'm getting confused, but I think it might be the same tea shop because it's the same gentleman behind the desk, isn't it? Um, mm. yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, it's like the same guy, isn't it? Yeah, so it's the same tea shop. So, um, you don't even really see the person walk in, you see it's a woman, um, you see the legs walk into the shop first. Um, and you see the gentleman behind the counter kind of look up and get a bit excited. Um, and then, you know, as she arrives at the counter, um, he says something like, are you looking for, for work? You can make a lot of money. Um, no, sorry. She, she makes a comment first, doesn't she? She says, um, yeah. I'm digging the shades, man. And he says, I'm digging everything you've got. And I was like, you little person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm digging everything I see. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, some some little old perv. But um, yeah, so he, she takes a cigar out of like a cigar case on the table. And um, because all of this is is kind of filmed and, and animated from point of view, you don't really see her, her face until um, he pulls out a lighter and then he lights it up. Um, and you see this young woman um, wearing glasses. Um, she's wearing kind of relaxed clothes and she lights up this, this cigar um, at the desk. And then the next shot is these three dudes who pull up outside um, who look like they're up to no good, um, kind of look into the tea shop and then can obviously see um, the person in there. And we assume that they're after this person because they're like, yeah, this is it. And then um, the person gives us probably the coolest bit of dialogue you get in this episode. I, I really love this line where um, she reaches down to a briefcase that she's carrying and she pulls out a submachine gun and she turns to the, the little old man behind the desk and she's like, um, do you know what rule number one of combat is? Um, so he doesn't respond. She loads the weapon and just starts lacing shots across the street um, at the guy's mm -hmm. outside. Um, blasts up the whole place. And then when she finishes the clip, she's like, shoot them before they shoot you. And I was like, oh man, that was so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> the character. Like, that is just about as, as cool as you can get. Um, then uh, another car pulls up outside, and this guy is carrying like a, a massive one of those, um, like a Gatling gun, isn't it? I think it's called like the one that. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a Gatling. Yeah, it's a Gatling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's the one that um, like Jesse Ventura has in Predator. Um, so kind of version yeah. of that, and he pulls that out. He starts licking shots now back across the um, uh, across the shop and destroys pretty much everything. The man ends up sort of cowering behind there. Um, and then when the, the the kind of bullets stop and the smoke clears, uh, he looks up and and the woman is kind of outside and is surrounded by all these guys with guns in her face, um, which straight straight away made me think of a John Woo movie because that's how my mind works. <laughs> and um, they sort of capture this woman um, and, and take her into into their custody, I guess. Um, how did you find that introduction for the character? Because I, flipping, like I said, being an action movie junkie, being a fan of the Wild West, I kind of loved all of that. Like the sparse dialogue, there, there really wasn't much need for talking or, or a set mm. exposition here. It was just, when it, we could tell you who this person is, but no, we're going to show you instead. So like yeah, literally... Yeah. Get that that kind of um, that brilliant, as said, uh, interaction with her and the old tea shop owner and and um, the gangsters outside. So yeah, how did you find that that opening in comparison to some of the other ones? Did it kind of was it in keeping with, with what they'd done before, or did it feel um, sort of different compared to the two previous episodes? Well, well, to me, I think I mean so far um, out of the episodes we've watched, this is the this is the best intro for me for a character. Mm. Mm. And, and I mean, and I mean, we've. It, um, I mean, some of the characters we get introduced to, those intros, shit, like damn. But this mm. one is so far is the best one because you're introduced to a person with a bang, but then like, you know, when it introduced us to Spike, when it introduced us to Jet, you know, they 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 did it in quite a slow, mundane way, which is which isn't a bad thing, but the way how they bring Faye in, she comes in serious. So the thing that I love about it is that. How she looks, how she talks, and how she acts are three different things. Mm. And as and 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 I mean, let's let's just be honest. I mean, like they do it in quite a smart way. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean we're not going to beat around the bush here. I mean, like uh, I mean, Japanese animation, anime, it, it's known for over sexualizing it, its its female characters, mm. and um, and putting us in, and it kind of puts us in the same, well, basically in the same position as the old man as like just shown us you know glimpses and little scenes of like Faye coming into the shop so it's showing us like the sexualization of, of or like all the the sexiness that she portrays but when she gets to that when she gets to that bar and she picks up the cigar and she starts talking basically it's just all the front yeah this is what it is but there's a lot more behind here and she and she hands herself like a true boss and I, and I love that I, I just love that I just love that intro because it's what you see isn't necessarily what you get. Whereas like with Spike, I mean, what you see is what you get, 
until the time really comes for him to actually have to really get off his ass and be like, oh, no, I've really got to do something. But mm. it's always it's almost like he's a reluctant hero. Um, yeah. And Jet's and, and Jet somewhat the same thing. It was like they'd both really kind of, you know, rather do the job with, with, that, with that, you know, with um, the least trouble, the, the better. Whereas like Faye looks like she's about this life. Like yeah, yeah, how yeah, she yeah. looks and how she acts, everything is ramped up to 10. They may not they may, they may not necessarily correlate with each other, but this is her and she's going balls deep. Mm. And um, that's the reason why I love this intro of her. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, there's no messing around. And like you said, like they've already shown you like how layered this character is and complex this character is. Um, and, you know, listeners that like Faye is somebody that you're going to grow to learn a lot about over the course of this series and um would definitely dive into a a bit of like her past and and who she is and how she kind of came to be where she's at but at this particular point in the story there's no need for you to really know all of that um you know the, the the bottom line is she's somebody as as richard said who is um very duplicitous can you know present one kind of front um one kind of image but turns out to be something completely different um as the, the story kind of progresses um but anyway at this point she gets captured as said by um whoever it is that's hunting her and she's brought on board a, a, a ship um and is confronted by a guy called gordon um who seems to be some kind of like gangster casino owner in in the the kind of old school style in the way that you would see um you know the mob be running casinos back in the 60s and and the 70s and the way that it was always headed by somebody who was affiliated to some kind of crime family um you know you get that in in this episode here and crime is definitely something that that obviously plays a big part in uh the cowboy bebop story and the overarching story of it and everything um excuse me sorry listeners i'm still getting over a cold at the moment so i may cough every once in a while um but the 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 kind of interrogation scene with with her and gordon is is um quite interesting as well because he reveals a few things he reveals that um he believes that that this woman is the reincarnation of someone called poker alice um Mm. poker alice apparently was this kind of mythical gambler who never lost a hand of cards um always won um and was considered kind of a lucky charm in in the old wild west um and Faye kind of says well you know if i was poker alice that would make me over 200 years old um and you're kind of like mm, but you didn't deny it though did you <laughs> so you're kind of getting like a bit of a bit of foreshadowing for what's to come already because you know she doesn't deny it she just kind of says yeah but that would make me x and x um age so you get a real sense that Faye is obviously somebody who's been around the block um to to put it mildly um this is somebody who's who's probably seen a lot of things um and basically we from what we understand from the following scenes it's like she gets drawn into a plot right to um basically relieve a gambling chip from somebody who's going to be visiting his casino that evening um so they they set up this kind of plan to to kind of get the the chip away um meanwhile we kind of then have uh the first appearance of spike and jet and they're in um this elevator and they happen to be at the casino um we assume it's just for leisure um and that they're trying to kind of increase their money um there's a back and forth between spike and jet as well that i really liked and they reference um charlie parker as well We'll come back to that towards the end as, as we do like the kind of trivia roundup. But um, Rich, two questions, man. One, how yeah. good was that interaction with Spike and Jet? Um, and two, why is Spike <laughs> so nasty, man? Why did he have to swallow the cigarette? <laughs> well, the, the, see, the thing is, you know what it is? It's like the thing that I like about this interaction between Spike and Jet is that already we're invested. We know they're friends. We know that it's like it's, it's just is like just listening to them speak is actually is actually just is is wicked, and um and once again like it, and it, and it, and it's something that just reminds me of uh, something that happens in the in the intro for for Faye, and I'm gonna say this to all the listeners out there as well. It's like when you watch this show, 
and you watch these episodes, you have to watch it repeatedly because there's so many little things that just hit you and you don't even know that it's even happening until you rewatch it and then you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even see that. So it's mm. slightly deviating. But for example, like when Faye um, has the shootout, there's one bit where it shows like a, a point of view of her shooting the gun. Like to me, that's not the type of thing that you'd normally see in like in, in an anime. They usually just have like, you know, there's basically your money shots where it's basically just one person shooting a gun from one angle. And then, you know, like you, have, you usually have your, your, your cinema, you know, cinema rules, you know, from the eyes follow from left to right. And so the next scene, there would be like, you know, let's say the opponent, if the action's filmed correctly, um, shooting from right to left to show that they're facing in opposite directions. Um, but just to have that point of view thing is, is just perfect. But then you, so like, so how it's filmed or how it's drawn is amazing. And then you get like this conversation between two friends and it's so natural. I'm talking like Tarantino natural. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That is just one of those things where it's like, you just want to be there. You want to be involved in a conversation. You don't even want to take part in a conversation. You just want to be amongst these people and watch these two people talk and be like, man, I wish I had, I wish I had a friendship like yours. And I'm not even sure if your friendship's even that type of friendship, but whatever you've got, I want it, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and so I just I just find it wicked how, how you know how they just interact with each other. Um, the thing about Spike swallowing a cigarette, like, I think it's just one of those things where, like I said, how these characters are being written, they never give you everything at once. So on one hand, you look at it as something like, oh, that's just nasty. And then you're like, wait a minute. Why would you? Number one, why would you do that? Mm. Number two. Who taught you how to do that? And yeah. number three, why did you learn how to do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a story behind that. Mm. So, like, every, literally every little thing that they do, there's always some little, little hint as to like, well, you know, you know, I learned how to fire a gun because X, Y, Z. You know, I learned how to drive this because of you know, at one point, you know, one this one time in band camp, this happened, <laughs> and that. So that's, that's those little little things that you that you find throughout this whole show that just always make you think think twice, especially, and, you know, making you have it to go back and, and re-watch it. Um, but yeah, I, I love the interaction between between Spike and Jet. I like the fact that, once again, you're getting that whole father figure thing coming out from Jet, where he's like, listen, try not, we're going into a place to play and to, you know, have a good time, but don't play too well because you're going to get us into trouble. Mm-hmm. So once again, this isn't the first time they've been into a place like this. So it's, it's those little illusions that this, you know, that even though this is our first time, it it kind of makes it feel like it's not our first time. If you get my meaning, like you know, like you know, we've we've already been here before. We just don't know it. So yeah, I love the interaction between those two. Man, it's it's, it's too much. It's too well written. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. So um, in that scene in in the elevator as they're traveling down to the casino, um, Jet starts mentioning that he's had this dream where he um, is talking to Charlie Parker um, and Charlie Parker says to him that, you know, they're, they're going to, um, that basically he has to be generous. Um, he's giving him advice and saying, you know, you've got to give with one hand to receive with the other. Um, and Spike's just like, as typical Spike is just completely dismissive of it. And it's just like, yeah, whatever, man, you are like, it's the fever dreams of an old man, you know? Um, and I love that kind of like back and forth. Obviously, I love the Charlie Parker reference, but I love the back and forth between the two of them as well. And the way that in, in which um, there's, a, as he said, that kind of uh, big bro, little bro kind of relationship almost between the two of them. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it, it feels so natural, as you said, it, it's kind of it almost feels like a, a scene from a Tarantino movie because the dialogue is so natural and so realistic for for characters who are drawn on the on on the screen you know um and that's Mm. normally something that you don't always get with animes from that era so yeah you know it's 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 really really kind of a a cool scene just a a way to to set the mood for what comes um so they arrive at the the casino at gordon's casino um and uh just before they they get in um because this i found a bit weird as well i don't know if this was a deliberate mistake or what but obviously as i referenced earlier spike swallows his cigar um sorry not his cigar his cigarette that he's smoking because jet points out to him that there's no smoking in the casino 
um, which is just disgusting. Like, you were watching it animated. I was like, Ugh. But then, like, almost the very next shot is Jet at a slot machine smoking a cigar. And I was like, hold on. I thought you said there's no smoking in here. Like, what was that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that I don't know why that stood out to me. That was just super random. But, um, yeah, it just kind of made me think, well, hold on. You just chastised, like, Spike for doing that. And you're doing the same thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> But um, anyway, as I said, they, they get down to the casino and um, Spike sets himself up at a blackjack table. Um, but before he does that, actually, he runs into um, our three old friends from episode one, from uh, session one. I, I can't remember their names yeah. now. I remember you said their, their names before. but Yeah, they, they were the, 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 the guys named after the, the, Span- the Spanish um composer who basically made like a particular style of music which is yes yes that's yeah. right it's um uh antonio is it jose antonio uh Car- antonio Hello, carlos, carlos and, and job and hobin yeah yeah antonio that's, that's carlos yeah, 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 yeah 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 so that's them so yes yeah, so the same three guys so they pop up in um the episode again and they're uh, sweating it out at, at what looks like the blackjack table and Spike just randomly comes up on them um, and tells one of them which card to play uh, and they win some money and he helps himself to their chips. I was like, right, okay. Mm. <laughs> Is that going on? Yeah, because I'm sure they didn't offer that to you, but you just decided to help yourself. <laughs> so like, yeah, Spike's just like, yep, thanks for the tip and helps himself to a couple of chips. So, so yeah, he settles down at a blackjack table um and he settles himself at the table where fate is um now we get uh at this point we get a quick kind of flashback to the rest of her plan with gordon which was that they were going to try and get a chip from somebody who's going to visit um the casino that evening um there's something special about this chip at this point we don't know what it is but um basically the you know she needs to get this chip from the gambler uh, and then pass it to Gordon. And then if she does that, um, Gordon says he'll wipe away all of her debts. Um, now, debts are, are quite significant, apparently. Um, and given that she's a gambler herself, you can assume that, you know, she's run up quite a big debt and is in with some some heavy people who, who she owes money to. So um, she doesn't really have much of a choice in this, but um, she kind of goes along with it. And so she serves as the, the dealer at this blackjack table. Um, and then Spike is winning, but Faye cheats, I believe. Um, and he loses all of his money that he gambled down. Um, so she is now expecting Spike because she believes Spike is this guy that they're waiting for to give her the chip. But instead, Spike just gets up and he goes, yeah, I'm going to keep her souvenir. Um, so Faye's like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. Like, this is not part of the plan. You're supposed <laughs> to give me the chip, you know? <clears throat> so she goes off after him and then you realize that there's actually somebody else who kind of in passing looks a bit like spike uh well doesn't even yeah. really look like him but is kind of dressed in a similar way um similar type of clothes and stuff um and the two of them happen to bump into each other in the casino and they've both got these single chips on them um that look identical and then through one of those kind of typical slops, uh, slapstick comedy moments, they bounce into each other. Uh, the chips fly up in the air. And then basically Spike picks up the the guy's chip, which is the, the real chip, the important one. Um, and the other guy just ends up picking up some dud of a chip. Um, then follows, well, I'm not even going to get into this because I know you love the fights. So <laughs> I'll let you get into the fight scene. But um, the fight scene itself is absolutely hilarious because these Gordons, we assume his goons, uh, try and stop Spike um, because they obviously believe Spike is this guy as well that that they're waiting for. Um, The fight scene in this, there's one particular like move Spike does that I fucking love, man. (laughs) But yeah, Rich, man, break down the fight scene, bro. Listen, the fight scene... it's one of those things because like so far we've seen spike fight people are pretty that are pretty much adept and pretty decent at hand to hand and he's done it with such like a nice flair and you're just like yeah he knows he knows what he's doing but there's still that element of danger but these guys that he fights against the reason why the fight is so is so good is like you've kind of seen the type of goons they are and the type of people that they work for so you don't really 
have to give them any form of sympathy. So, for example, let's say like when you remember um, the main guy the, or the main bad guy from the first episode. I've um, I've forgotten his name, but like you kind of like hope and wish that at some point he is going to be able to find some form of redemption. Like you know, you, you can imagine that the original plan that they had went south, and 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 you kind of feel that in in the girlfriend, and and you, and you want them to kind of like you know be, be good. He's under the influence, so he's doing bad things because he's addicted to something. But these mm. guys are just heavies. They're just meatheads. They're just lunks. And <laughs> that's what they are. They're just big for nothing or like they have strength in numbers. In essence, they're bullies. And it's the same thing that is the same type of um, feel that you get with the conversation with Gordon and, um, and Faye. He, he's, he's somewhat a bully. Um, and the thing is, they're just the wrong people. Like they, they, like they just pick the wrong person to fucking pick a fight with. Like there's a <laughs> bit where they just, where they just punch a spike in the face and he just, the top half of his, of his body just goes with it, but his legs are still standing. Mm. And then his body just comes back up. And I think he goes up to like, that was a bad mistake. And you yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> but then the thing is, the next thing you see is that he's he's actually out of shot. And you can see the goons. And you just see this foot come up. Vroom, <laughs> and, it, and it just goes straight. It's like a straight leg just goes straight into this guy's face. And it's, it's just perfect. And, um, and obviously, like we've said, um, Spike... Um, I mean that, but especially his fighting style is 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 basically is a real fighting style. Um, is is Jeet Kune Do, which was created by Bruce Lee. And if you've seen any any if you've seen any like you know Bruce Lee films, you'll you'll actually recognize some of the moves. That's how much attention they pay, how much attention they pay to detail. Um, when when Spike's fighting, but um, it's basically it once again it's a hark back to one of the kicks that you see Spike practicing in the first episode. Mm. where he just does like a you know a straight out kick and you know and shows that he's got enough strength and flexibility to actually you know still keep the leg in the same position but then you know to move from left to right so like i said before the thing about this show is that it just doesn't do things for fun it's there for a reason and there will always be references to it sometimes you just need to rewatch something numerous times to be able to remember it and to be like oh okay this happened here or this happened there but um, but then he just basically proceeds to do just whoop everybody's ass, and I swear there's a bit where it looks like he even does like some form of like kick, hurricane kick, that that Ken and Ryu can do, and and he takes down like six people that in one go. So he just basically does like a three sixty kick. Yeah, yeah, and and is but it's just one of those things where like this isn't this isn't anything. This is just a walk in the park to him. Like he's just like okay, cool, you pick the fight with me. So I actually have no reason to feel guilty, and just for that, somebody's getting whooped tonight. And and yeah, and it's just it's just it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. And you know what else made me laugh in that fight as well? It's the elbow he drops on some guy's back. Because I oh, swear, yeah. the guy literally goes, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like the guy <laughs> sorry out of his bloody head. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way they animated that scene just cracked me up. <laughs> cracked me up, man. But yeah, listen, that's that's a, a fight scene worth watching, man. It's, especially if you want to see, like, kind of as, as Richard said, the, the kind of intricacies and um, the things that, that they're able to pull off within the, the animation um, during that fight scene, then it's definitely worth a watch. Um, and also because, you know, it adheres to the rule that... Um, you know, Rich and I have as as fans of, of kind of martial arts movies and, and and the genre of martial arts movies is that, you know, the fighting style should tell you something about the character. So you should be able to tell almost like a mini story with a fight scene. Um, and, you know, as Rich said, it's like, it's basically effortless for him to take out these seven or eight guys because mm. it's almost like, you know, to him, it's not enough of a challenge. Like for, for Spike, he... He always kind of strives to to be challenging himself to to do more, um, and you know, as said, this this fight scene is like he, he's almost kind of half bored while he's fighting, which which <laughs> makes it all the more hilarious, really. But um, yeah, so we have the the fight scene, and then um, we we have another funny bit as well, where a crowd starts to gather around, 
um, and Jet is in the background because someone says, oh, there's a fight. And Jet goes, what, a fight? Where, where, where? So Jet looks up and then you realize there's this Spike and he's like, oh, man, Spike. Like, <laughs> he's so, like, I haven't even cashed my chips yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's got like, at, at this point, he's, he's won like quite a bit of um, Wulongs on uh, in the casino. I think it's like 200 thousand or something like that or, or 300 yes, like something that. ridiculous something like that yeah, yeah. like he cleaned he cleaned up shop let's put it that way yeah exactly exactly i mean he's got piles and piles and piles listeners of these uh casino chips in his hand so yeah presumably he's won quite a bit um while this is going on Faye is trying to make a, a move to get out of the casino um, and this was another scene i thought was really cool she t- she has like a wristband that she turns on um, and says something like, I can't remember exactly what she said now, but it's something to the effect of, um, let's get it started or something like that. Yeah, and, or show t- showtime or something. something yeah, like that. that's it. I think it, she says it's showtime or something like that. And um, it activates this voice activation on her little ship, um, which is a little zip craft, they call it. Um, and it's just so cool because you get an animated sequence of the, the craft's AI record checking her voice recognizing her voice and then activating the ship and the ship crashes through the side of the casino um, <clears throat> excuse me and um yeah she like the ship just said crashes through the side of the casino and people are panicking um and she manages to make it onto to her vessel onto um i think it's called the red tail isn't it her ship i think yeah it's yeah. yeah um she manages to make it onto her ship um and it's just like hell bent on getting the hell out of the casino um flies off but then somehow manages to to get spike and jet on her windshield um so they kind <laughs> of like on the windscreen and she's like what the hell um so they escape the casino without jet's winnings um and Faye basically piloting the the red tail to get them out there um, and then you get the the scene with the gangster Gordon, um, and he kind of is disappointed because he finds out that um, the guy that he was waiting for obviously doesn't have the real chip because their chips have been swapped over. His and Spike. Um, so you get a little bit more of a sense that this chip is obviously very important to um, these criminals. And um, Gordon just shoots the guy like four times, I think it is, or something like that. Um, you don't actually see it on screen, which makes it even more powerful because it's it, it kind of cuts away just as he pulls the trigger and then the screen kind of fades to, to black towards um, the, the kind of episode break and you just hear those oh. other shots. Um, I don't know about you, Rich, but I mean, how did you find that scene? Because I found that scene like, I thought it was, it was cool, but it was just cold, man. Because oh, it's like you get, um, and I know you've mentioned this before on, on the other episodes, but it's like, you know, there's always these moments of comedy with Cowboy Bebop, but are punctuated with like a savage moment of violence to just, as you said before, remind you that this is real. So, you know, how did you find that the way that scene played out? Well, well ex- exactly that. I think that that's what it is. I mean, it kind of hammers it home that as much as we may not respect them because we've seen them get handled, don't underestimate them. Like I said, because, you know, they, they run the casino, they're all in flashy suits. He just has these goons who, who, you know, who are clearly not the smartest, you know, tools in a cookie jar. But then this bit of callousness just reminds us that be like, okay, cool, fair enough. You may not take us seriously, but you know, at some point you will. And it's mm-hmm. and and it's just, like you said, and it's just how, it's just how straight is how straight he does it. Like you mm-hmm. said, and and I think the the good thing is like them not showing it on screen actually to actually does hammer it home. Um, but the thing that makes it even more is that like, cause I mean, you've just obviously just seen Spike, Jet and Faye just escape from these guys as well. And you're like, oh, this, this is freaking easy. This, this is all right. And then after you see him commit this, well, this, this well, I'm not even sure what to even call it, but this act of meanness, mm. it kind of rem- just reminds you that, okay, fair enough. They may have got handled last time, but now these guys are pissed off and this is what they are prepared to do. They're prepared to kill without, without question. What do you have for me? You haven't got it for me? Bang, gone, you're dead. Mm. So where you've got Faye on now on the run from these people and Spike and Jet, you're like, well, you know, this 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 might not be fun the next time you meet them. 
because you've seen what they're capable of doing. So, and and that's the reason why I love that scene. Like it, it all of a sudden just becomes a lot more serious. It, it becomes, it changes from, you know, like a 12 or a PG-13 to a 15, which isn't a big jump, but then it's a big jump if done correctly. Um, and like, there's a difference between being, you know, being a young adult and like being like a, an, an adult, like 15 year old who, where you're allowed to, you know, watch and see certain things. And that is that jump for me in, in that scene. It's, it's really, it's really done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. So um, at that point, we get the episode, the traditional episode break, as, as you have in anime shows. And um, when it returns, uh, we're back on board the Bebop, um, the ship. Uh, and Faye, I think, is handcuffed in a toilet or something like that. I think it's a toilet. Yeah, it, it is a toilet. It is, it is a toilet. Yeah. Because yeah. you know the reason why? Because mm. I, was, I was watching it. When I, while I was having dinner, I was watching it. And, um, and Luca was watching it. And she was handcuffed. And he, he was like... Daddy, but doesn't she want to use the toilet? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 she does. Yeah, just finish your dinner. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, uh, listeners, Luca is Richard's son. He's made a guest appearance on Rulong Talks a couple of times. So you should know yeah. who he is if you've been listening. But yeah, just in case you didn't know. But um, yeah, so she's handcuffed and, and kind of being interrogated by uh, Spike and Jet. Um, and Ayn, who makes his first appearance as well, um, <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> and, um, you know, we basically we we find out that Jet and Spike's plan is they're going to, um, you know, hand her in and, and get, I think, the 200,000 back, <clears throat> get the 200,000 back that was lost. What happens instead, though, is um, Jet does some analysis on on the chip that Spike has got. Um, and Spike switches on the TV to watch Big Shot. Now, you'll remember from session two was the first time we saw Big Shot, the TV show. Um, basically, Big Shot, for those of you that don't know, is uh, a, a TV show within the um, the actual series that the characters watch. And what it does is it gives you the the exposition for the, the, a particular character or for a plot point. So um, at this point, Big Shot comes on. And Punch and Judy are talking about none other than Faye, who they have locked up in their toilet. Um, they give us her full name, that her name is Faye Valentine, um, and that her bounty is worth six million wulongs. So the guys are like, well, boy, we're definitely adding you in now. <laughs> like, you know, this, <laughs> if we were ever doubting it before, like six million wulongs is a lot of money. So, yeah, you ask this guy into the police. Um but instead, what happens is Faye decides to call Gordon and say, look, I'm on this ship. Um, these guys have got the chip. Deal with these guys. Um, and so they they make up like a deal to, to kind of get the chip back um, from the guys. You find out also that the uh, casino chip that Spike has got from the other guy who died earlier in their episode um, is actually a microchip and is part of an AI program that's a code breaker. Um, and what it does is it can break any code um, out there. So basically in the hands of, of somebody like Gordon, he can use it for, you know, whatever criminal means he wants to use it for. Um, and it's basically a very, very sought after um, object. So the Bebop crew, Spike and Jet, um, agree to meet with Gordon out in space. Um, and they're going to do like a handover. So basically, um, Gordon, I, I think the, the fee that they settle on is um, 30 million Wulongs, I think it is, that Jeff yeah, says. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, that, yeah. yeah. And they're going to go and, and, and do like a trade. So, you know, the Spike and Jet will trade the chip for this 30 million Wulongs um, outside the ship. So um, Spike takes puts on this spacesuit and he goes out there to um, to meet the... Gordon's men out in space um, and this scene I loved as well because I loved the, the way it was done it, it kind of reminded me of 2001 a space odyssey in a weird way um, yeah in, yeah in terms of some of the space scenes and things like that so I'm, I'm not sure if that was a, a specific reference point that they used um, for this scene but like Spike's suit because I guess because it had so much red in it um, it made mm. me think of, of 2001, A Space Odyssey. So, yeah, that was kind of a cool, like, nod. Um, and again, the way the scene is animated, you you get a real sense of the weightlessness and the fact that they're in space and, and things like that. So it feels, again, it feels kind of real, you know, the, the way that it's done and stuff. 
Um, and then the trade is uh, about to go down. Um, but before the, the trade happens, um, Faye manages to escape. She manages to break her handcuffs. Um, she raids out their fridge, which I thought was a joke. Because it's like, mm. again, it's that running theme of, of food within you know Cowboy Bebop and the importance of food and how everybody's always going on about food. It seems like a lot of people in Cowboy Bebop don't eat too good. Because the first yeah. thing Faye did is go straight to their fridge after she broke <laughs> to go and eat. Um, and then she manages to kind of get into uh, the outer hull. Um, and then I invites her out there and is waiting for her and starts growling at her. Um, and she runs off and Ayn obviously chases her. Um, and then the next scene we get is um, the trade-off scene. And I love the way this scene is played out. But Rich, um, yeah, talk us through like the kind of the trade-off scene that, that happens out in space. Well, the thing is that, well, like I said, I mean, watching the episode, the thing that I loved about it and it's something that we haven't really seen that much of, if not, this is the first time we've seen it, like I said, is, is that it takes place in space. So we know that it takes place in the future, and we've seen the, you know, we've seen the, you know, the Bebop ship, and we've seen um, the Swordfish, and we've seen, like, and in this episode, we've seen that the actual casino, which is actually basically, one thing, one of the things we forgot to mention is that it, it's actually a floating casino. It's like a, um, isn't it got like a big roulette table hologram yeah, yeah, around yeah. the actual ship? Yeah. yeah. And so, and so you see like Spike in this spacesuit, and it just for two seconds it just throws you off, and then it just reminds. Then you then you have to take a step back and be like, "Shit, yeah, I am watching something which is like just a mixture of everything." Um, and so, so that, that's one of the first things that, that I loved about it. But um, it just it it, sh it shows you how once again how well Jet and Spike work together as well, hmm. because right now as it stands, like in in this in this actual like trade off. It shows everything from the perspective of Gordon and his guys calling all the shots, and you're like, okay, how are you going to pull this off? And then, and when it does eventually cut to Jet and it does cut to Spike, that once again, like they're just laid back, even though we've just had, you know, we've seen the callousness that Gordon and his guys are prepared to do, and they're in this trade-off, and nothing seems to be going in Jet and Spike's favour. And like Spike sitting in his chair, and I think he's even like just kind of just like leaning back as, as opposed to his normal like you know uptight self. And then he just goes into this tirade about, yeah, the chip is this and the chip is that and blah, 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 blah. And in this little speech where they're going back and all this conversation where um, Jet and Gordon are, um, are trading information, you get a little bit of information to um, Jet's backstory that he used to be part of. Uh, is it ISPP or is it IS, IWSP? ISSP. Yeah, IWSP. Yeah. ISSP. Yeah, which is like, um, is it like a special police force? Hmm. Um, well, I think and, it's and, the and, intergalactic space um, something police. Sorry, I can't remember what the the actual thing is, but I'll look it up. Carry on. Yeah, yeah, and basically, and then and then you get so you get a little bit of information like that, and for the first time in a long time, you see, not say that Spike has hasn't been smart in the first two episodes, but you see the smarts that he does possess. And there's a whole thing of just like, yeah, I used to do this and I used to do that. Don't call my bluff. You're not entering into my world. Whatever you think you know, I know it and I've known it before you. This is this is like really like don't play this game. Mm. And um and so, so you've got that whole conversation happening. And then basically, and then as this is going on, you've got the whole thing with um Spike having to do this trade-off. Um and my favorite scene is the bit, obviously, I think where he's jumping from the bebop to the bad guy ship and when he lands instead of it just cutting to another scene and showing about before they do the trade-off once again it shows them the attention to detail of of how they frame and they shoot scenes the screen itself turns do you, do you, do you, did you did you um see that jay mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, like basically so he like so basically he lands from one ship to the other but he's upside down yeah but they want you to to have a sense of the weightlessness and and how under rule and one of the rules of space is that there is no up or down or left or right. It just is until you find something with some form of, with some center of gravity. And that's when you can apply the rules that you would have, let's say if you were on a planet that had the gravity. And so at this point, like he's just floating and he lands on the ship, turns on his um the magnets on his boots, sticks to the ship, and then it just shows us from his point of view. He is his point of view 
but there is no wrong or right way but it's just for us for the viewers to be able to watch it easily mm. and um and I, and I and like I said, and I don't remember that bit until I watched it. Until I watched it today, and I was just like, "Shit!" Like, <laughs> there's people who make films for a living that don't think that far ahead of how to film shots. So it just reminds me of like when you're talking about the whole thing where you think there's some form of like homage to to 2001: A Space Odyssey, because of the same like the amount of attention to detail that Kubrick does or Kubrick gives in that film. The bit where you see um, Dave performing his daily exercise, mm. where he's running in like a, a bit like a circular tube, yeah. But then it's, it's shot in a particular angle, so it looks like he's running in, you know, in zero gravity. Mm. And so, like, so even when that that bit where Spike, you know, changes his, you know, changes his um, the, the perspective changes for Spike, so we can see it better, or the wheel that's turning round, that's actually where. The, the in between where they're gonna where they're gonna do the exchange. Now that I'm just talking about it and thinking back to it, this whole episode or the, well, the majority of this episode is just one big homage to, to Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if I, I, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I just had a brain fart there. Yeah, but basically they 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 go to do the exchange, and um, it's shot really really well because you're thinking that you know from what we know of Spike, he's literally just gonna power drive in and just you know just do his main thing. But he plays once again. He plays it really, really smart. And as this turning wheel, which, for let's say for a momentum or let's say for a moment, obstructs like each person's vision, what the bad guy or what Gordon's goon takes out the gun, takes a shot, which is pretty, which is pretty slick because he does it quite quick. But once again, like Jet, like Jet was saying to Gordon, him and Spike are both ahead of the game, and you see Spike disappear, mm. and the guy's like, "Shit, I just shot into nowhere." And then you just look up, and then Spike does like a little rebound off like one of the pylons and he just comes down and just fucking takes him out and it's just <laughs> it's just awesome the thing that i love about it is that it just once again shows you that no matter where spike is he's always good at what he does mm. as long as he's like putting his mind to it so whether he's like in a casino where he where you know he can win money um whether he's like on a you know fighting against this guy whether he's just wearing like a basic disguise where all he does is just put a sombrero on and a little poncho and he, and he pretends to be like, you know, a Mexican and you don't really recognise him. Or whether you see him fighting in space or whether you see him fighting a bunch of goons like hand-to-hand combat. He just seems to do, he just seems to do everything so well and effortlessly. And there's mm. another one of those scenes where he's just like, I reckon in school he was one of those kids where, you know, at parents even, they'd be like, Spike hasn't really pushed himself and it's like middle middle of the term. Like, you know, if he just paid more attention in class, he'd do really, really well. And he always got like C's and D's. And come by the end of the year, he just smashes his exams. <laughs> and he's those, yeah. and he's just one of those guys that you just like, you had the love or you just hate. Um, mm. But that, that's what I love about that whole exchange scene because it is quite tense. Mm. But then once again, you find out that, you know, as tense as it is, they've got everything in hand and, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, for for true that that was um, it's a pretty awesome scene, listeners. So yeah, definitely go and um check that out, man, because it the way it's it's kind of framed and everything is is perfect. Um, so yeah, Spike is is kind of battling away with this goon and and deals with this goon. Um, Faye manages to get to the Red Tail and blast her way out of the Bebop, um, which annoys Jet because Jet's like, you could have just <laughs> used the hanger. Like, why are you shooting my ship? <laughs> Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. And uh, she steals the briefcase with the money that they were going to trade um, for the ship. She takes the briefcase and she heads off. Uh, and um, Gordon says, you know, don't let her get away. So they start firing like a load of rockets at her ship. So she lets off like her ship lets off these little flares that, that kind of um, deflect the rockets. Um, and she manages to do something to the rocket to make it go back to where it came from. I think they said she reversed the polarity or something like that. Um, typical kind of sci-fi dialogue, and it reversed the polarity. Um, but she manages to send the rocket back to where it came from, and the rocket slams into Gordon's ship, um, and that's Gordon and his goons bye-bye. Uh, basically, the, the, the ship blows up. Um, and Faye gets away with with the money. She kind of, um, yeah, gives them a cheeky wink, and then off she goes um, with the with all the cash. So um, Faye ends up winning big time <laughs> out of this one. Um, 
and the episode kind of ends really with um, Spike and Jet going back to the casino and they've still got the chip. Um, at this point, the chip to them is useless because the people who were going to buy it would have given them money and they can't give it to the ISSP um, because, again, they'll get no reward for it. So they just decide they're going to go and um, gamble it in, in the casino. Um, and the last kind of uh, statement on the final scene is easy come, easy go. Uh, and I love that because it's just a, a perfect kind of summation of... of of gambling and uh, and kind of taking your chances um you know mm. whenever you you get involved in a game of chance it's you know it can be easy to come across the money sometimes but it can also disappear you know in the blink of an eye um and as they always say in in casinos in las vegas you know the house always wins so there's no point in you trying to um you know kind of game the system and, and come up with something else because at the end of the day you know you'll always end up penniless um, so mm. yeah, that, that's kind of how the episode ends, really. Um, I did look up the name of the ISSP. It's Intersolar System Police. So that's what okay. they are. Okay. Yeah. And um, basically, okay. listeners have said they are the police force for the galaxy in in the world of um, Cowboy Bebop, um, and they often will use the the bounty hunters like Jet and and Spike um, to bring in these criminals that they can't get because they're quite understaffed. Um, so they don't really have like the officers on the beat and things like that. You don't see it often in, in the show. Um, you know, there, there seems to be like kind of a core of detectives that operates, um, I think on Mars or somewhere like that. Um, and then there's a few kind of officers who have cars and, and things like that, but, um, not enough obviously to character to cover the galaxy. So that's where the, the bounty hunters kind of come in and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, that, that for me was, was like such a fun episode really because you got everything you got um a bit about a, a brand new character in Faye um and you know just enough to kind of keep you interested in her but um she leaves the episode kind of how she starts it really as a as an enigma as, as something that we don't really you know is is clearly not what she seems as as you said to begin with um and so for me it was kind of the, the perfect way to end it you know um, how did you feel about the end of it? Uh, I I really enjoyed the ending. Um, like I said once again, is is like this is the third episode, and you've kind of become accustomed to <coughs> them not winning, but losing. But even when they lose, they win. So that is like that little thing where I mean, you kind of get that that you know, they kind of allude that there might be some form of like tension between Spike and um, between Spike and Faye. So even at the end where she kind of like flies off and you know, they realize that she's taken money and Spike kind of turns, you know, kind of turns and has a, like this little smile on his face. And he's just like, yeah, this is it. It's, this is just another day. And once again, like it, it continues the story or continues the, the same narrative that that's going to be something that, that continues throughout this show. It's like, this is just another day. It could mm -hmm. be Wednesday, it could be Thursday, it could be a boring day, it could be an exciting day. Um, and we went to the casinos and we had a pretty much exciting day. Did we win any money? No. But did we have fun? Yeah. Okay, let's go home and stay hungry. <laughs> like, so I, I really, so I really, that the ending is, is quite good. I like that. It's, it, like I said, it sticks to, it sticks to everything that makes this, this makes this show like just so well, so well written. Yeah. Instead of like the, you know, the hero always winning at the end, which is, you know, which, which is fake. There's, there's different types of winning, you know. Hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing we forgot to mention as well is the um, back and forth between um, Spike and Faye on the Bebop when she's uh, when she's being interrogated, because we find out, or you know, she claims that she is um, a Romani, a Romani gypsy. Yeah. Um, mm. And she has this back and forth with Spike where she calls him a gadjo, I think it is. Um, yeah. She, apparently means that he's a bumpkin that he's a bit of an idiot um and as in that final scene where you know Faye kind of takes off with the money um i think spike looks up her and says gadjo i like that or something like that um mm. so it kind of is is a nice kind of end to to that sort of arc and, and their interaction really and it shows there's even though she's got away with the money there's a there's definitely a kind of mutual respect between 
um, Spike and Faye. I think Spike probably sees a lot of himself in her and, and vice versa. So, um, you know, that was a cool kind of way to, to end that, that interaction there. Um, did you want to add anything else? Uh, no, I, I think I think that's pretty much. Um, was there something else that I noticed in it as well? No, I think I think I've said it. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think I've already said it. I think it was the whole thing about how the actual place where they go to gamble, mm. the actual thing actually is just one big massive casino. Like it's like the, the actual building or the space station is set up like a casino, and I, I just found that hilarious. <laughs> like, mm. you know? mm. Yeah, man, that that was just brilliant. Well, um, let's dive into some of the trivia. So um, the main writer on this episode was Ryota Yamaguchi, um, who apparently has written a number of episodes in the series as well. Um, and if we go to the trivia, I'll just head to the trivia and have a look. Um, okay, yeah, so I've got the trivia section open. Sorry about that, listeners. Um, so the trivia we're, we're getting here is from the website Bebopopedia. Um, which is a really cool website if you want to get like kind of background information about certain episodes and things like that. I think it's all been curated by fans and stuff, but it's normally pretty well researched as well. So there's a couple of things here um, that, that stand out. Apparently, the no smoking scene in the elevator, um, that is a, a kind of recurring theme in Cowboy Bebop, which is like mm. smoking in no smoking areas and people telling him he can't smoke there. Um, so again, it's kind of his, I don't know if that was <laughs> the Japanese kind of writers and stuff sticking a finger up to, <laughs> to the way that, that Japan can be, because Japan can be quite draconian where smoke is concerned, which is weird <laughs> because loads of Japanese people smoke. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know where that kind of idea came from, but I presume it's them kind of sticking a fiddle, middle finger up to the kind yeah. of attitudes to smoking in, in Japan. Um, what else is there that's interesting here? Um, yeah, so the three old men, yeah, Antonio, Carlos, and uh, Hobim uh, make their appearance in the episode, and they're the ones sitting at the Baccarat table. Um, Spike doesn't uh, otherwise recognize the three old men from Asteroid Blues, which is quite interesting because he doesn't. He doesn't recognize them. He certainly doesn't let on that he recognizes them. He just kind of randomly interacts with them at this point. Um, but that's kind of cool. Um, and apparently the them not collecting the money again, I mean, I think you said this quite early on when we started doing the Bebop rewatch, um, you know, they don't always win. And again, you know, they have close on to um, Spike, they get they have a phase bounty of six million on their head, which they were going to collect. They don't. There was, the, you know, the transfer of money that they were going to get from the gangsters. They don't face steals it, and it's a recurring thing. As said, you'll find out, listeners, with the show, it's a, a continual recurring theme that you know they're always this close to getting the money, but they, they just don't get it. Um, so honky tonk women, um, which is the name of this episode, uh, apparently is a reference to a hit song from an English rock band um, that you will know and I will know called the Rolling Stones. Um, honky tonk woman okay, is yeah. a, a, basically like a, an exotic dancer. Um, so that's what the, the reference in the title is referring to. Um, Poker Alice is apparently somebody, a legend that, that really did exist within um, the, the Wild West. Um, according to Bebopopedia, she was a 19th century professional gambler and card dealer that was skilled in counting cards. Her fame grew in Sturgis and Deadwood. Um, South Dakota around the same time as the notable Wild West figures, uh, Wild Bill Hickok and Calamity Jane. Uh, like Faye, she smokes cigars, carries a gun, and was a wanted felon. So there you go. Um, Charlie Parker, as we said, was was referenced earlier, which was really cool. Um, Charlie Parker, for those who don't know, he's a really, really influential jazz musician, perhaps one of the most influential jazz musicians in the genre. Um, he came out, uh, I think he, he may have started before Miles Davis or after, I can't remember. No, it's definitely before, I think. I think he started before Miles Davis. I'm not 100% sure on that. I will look that up for the next episode. Um, but yeah. anyway, I mean, if you know your jazz, then then you'll know the name Charlie Parker. He was a saxophonist. Um, he was a composer as well. Um, you know, and he was somebody who was kind of considered at the forefront of like the bebop movement within jazz 
um, mm. which is a lot faster than some other forms of jazz. And um, it relies heavily on kind of improvisation. So all of the kind of things you think of um, with a typical jazz track that features a saxophonist, um, probably it's, you know, that saxophonist is probably influenced by Charlie Parker in some way. So there's that. Okay. Um, uh, let's see what's happening here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, this one's quite interesting. So apparently um, when Spike and Jet are in the lift, the lift has a screen that says, Welcome to Spaders from Mars. Um, it's a spelling mistake. Um, it's actually supposed to say Spiders from Mars. And Spiders from Mars was one of David Bowie's backup bands. So, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. So that's where the name Spiders from Mars comes from. And apparently that was also the name of the casino in this episode as well. Um, oh. So, yeah, so that's a direct reference to, to David Bowie. Um, and as we said, uh, there's also, you know, the, the space scene um, where Spike goes for the money transfer is a direct reference to um, Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, yeah, we were spot on with that one. Um, and last bit of trivia as well, um, Honky Tonk, for those that don't know, um, is a name that's given to kind of bars in the southwest and deep south, south in America. Um, and usually they're called honky tonks because they, they feature um, a piano or a live band who provide the, the entertainment. The clientele is usually a bit rough um, and it's kind of a center of, of basically <laughs> all kinds of nefarious things. Um, <laughs> the history of the term apparently can be traced back as early as 1894. Um, I don't know if honky tonks still exist. I think they do in America. I think you still get them. Um, they're probably not as prevalent as as they once were. Um, but if you think of to to give a more kind of like recognizable reference, I suppose somewhere like Roadhouse um, with Patrick Swayze would would be okay. a, a honky, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That would be a honky tonk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So any kind of like sort of stereotypical biker bar that you can think of basically or somewhere where, where she goes down, that that's a honky tonk. So yeah, man, that's it. So that's the trivia done. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I really do love this episode. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I know it wasn't necessarily your favorite. Um, did you want to, did you want to go into a bit about why it wasn't necessarily your favorite? Um, no, I, I mean, it, it wasn't, ever, it wasn't even necessarily a bad thing. It was just, it's just like I, I just felt that I felt more tuned to the to the first two episodes than I did with this one, even mm. though like this episode did do a few different things um, compared to the first two. I mean, like like the way how they introduce like Faye to the audience. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought that was that was really really well done, and then obviously like you know the you know the the references to Kubrick and things like that 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 was well done as well. But um. I wouldn't say that it felt like a filler in a issue, a filler in a episode, because it because obviously we're introduced to Faye to to, to Faye, but it doesn't. I don't know. I, like I, I just can't put my finger on it. But there's just something about the first two episodes that that I just prefer as as compared to this one. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Well, listeners, um, let us know what you think of this episode as well. I mean, like, does this one feel not quite in the same vibe as, as the previous two? Um, or did you enjoy it just as much? Um, you can let us know by getting in touch with us on Facebook. We have an official Facebook page. Um, there'll be a link for that in the description wherever you're listening to the podcast. So you just need to pop along there. Um, you can like the page and then you can drop us a message if you want. Um, and also, if you want to be a guest on the show as well, because we really do want to get some fans on to talk about uh, the show and, and their experiences um, then you can do that again via our Facebook page or you can do it uh, via email as well we have an email address set up which is the Bebop Rewatch Podcast at gmail.com so if you just send us an email there um, I'll pick that up and we could have a chat and, and sort that out alright man well I think we've come to the end of this one so yeah we'll call it a night and, and saddle up our horses and um get ready to hit the trail again man um but rich anything else you wanted to say before we check out nope um if anything you know like jay said already if you haven't watched this episode go and watch it if you have watched it watch it again why not <laughs> well in fact watch the, the three episodes like you know get, get up to speed um mm. you're missing out on something great man that's the reason why we're doing this show exactly exactly 
Um, don't forget, we also have an Instagram page as well. So if you're an Instagram user, you can um, follow us on Instagram. You'll get updates on when the podcast is starting and any other cool stuff that we're doing. We'll, we'll kind of post it up on there as well. Um, and also, of course, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to Wulong Talks. Um, we have loads and loads and loads of, I mean, we just did our 51st episode um, a little while back. Um, so you've got lots of content to get through there. We do, you know, movie reviews. We talk about games, anime, um, all kinds of stuff, you know, all the, the, the kind of geeky stuff that you like. I mean, if you're a Cowboy Bebop fan, you're probably a fan of, of, of other man of animes and things like that as well. So why not join us and, you know, have a listen and enjoy um, to find that again, right where you are. So if you're on our YouTube page, you just need to go to the playlist that we've set up for Wulong Talks podcasts there. Um, or if you're on SoundCloud, again, we've got playlists on SoundCloud, so you can take your pick of anything you fancy listening to and, and have a listen and enjoy. Um, and if you are listening to us on iTunes, please do leave us a rating as well. That really, really helps in terms of helping other people find us. Um, and make sure you subscribe so you don't have to keep checking all the time. You can just get an instant update on your phone um, as soon as a new episode comes out. All right. As I said, we're going to saddle up and head for, you know, the sunset because I think it's time to leave. So it's good night from me. Rich, say good night. Good night. And we'll see you, Space Cowboys and Cowgirls. Enjoy yourselves and take it easy out there. Peace. <laughs>